0: Welcome to Word from the Herd, produced and brought to you by the Kimmel Foundation for Recovering Leadership. Hello, welcome to Word from the Herd. I'm your host, Thomas Hill, and today I have the privilege of being in the studio with Michelle Garrett, who's a licensed therapist. Michelle, you're licensed in marriage and family therapy therapy. Uh, both, it says, in the state of Oklahoma and California, which those are a long way away, so that's kind of cool. A ton of professional memberships. You're obviously very active in your field. Um, you've been working in both private and group practice now for over 23 years. Um, some really interesting things that, that you're involved in that I found fascinating. Um, you're on the staff, uh, a te- the teaching staff of the Sparrow Project SHARP program, which is outstanding. Uh, handles trauma, PTSD, compassion fatigue, things like that, which is which is great. You're also on the board of directors for a number of different uh, local nonprofits, and you've been involved in mentoring parents who have children with trauma, and, and so a lot of trauma work, which is great. Uh, I ask uh, uh, everyone, and by the way, just welcome. We're so glad you're here. Thank
1: you. Good to so, be here.
0: So we, I ask all mm-hmm. of my guests the same same question, one, one of the questions I ask. Which has nothing to do with the topic we're going to end up talking about, probably, but it's still fun. Uh, Michelle, what's the? Just tell me something about the worst job you ever had.
1: I I love that question. I I actually I I sat and thought about it for a while because I I was thinking I wish you would have asked me what the best job was. You can Uh,
0: tell us about that too if you want.
1: Well, and then I all of a sudden I realized maybe the worst job and the best job might have been one and the same in some ways. the, the, um, I would start with saying the first job that came to my mind was the one that I worked for 24 hours. I realized they didn't line up ethically. And so I quit. So I really didn't work for them for very long, but the other job was just a, um, an internship I had uh, taken on. It was a very, very solid internship. Um, I learned so, so much. I was kind of on the outside there though. Um, and, uh, so, um, I'm not even sure that, uh, you know, I, I think what, what ended up happening was, as I had gotten in, um, I had a little cross that I was wearing at the time, and um, so you said I was licensed in two states. I am I hold an inactive license in California. That's where I'm from. So I was originally licensed out in California, and um, I, I had a number of people that took exception to my necklace, my cross, and so um, they had asked me to remove it, and it just felt like I was dealing with kind of being pushed to the side quite a bit because I didn't fit in with their culture, I guess, in that way. Um, but it also, you know, gave me an opportunity to stop and think about, you know, um, it's okay to be who I am and be, you know, authentic and uh, I'm going to be able to work with certain people and not with others. But I would also say that I learned so much through that whole opportunity. Um, there was a variety of different um, experiences that I got from working in, um, you know, like the schools to working in uh, domestic violence training. Uh, just private practice working for the county they had a whole bunch of different programs so it was a really good learning experience
0: awesome best and worst isn't it interesting i mean i hear that a lot i hear a lot of people say hey i thought it was my worst job mm-hmm. at the time or i hated it or i whatever mm-hmm. but now that i look back i learned a lot or it was an experience that i've taken with me so that that seems to be mm-hmm. a, a fairly common common deal well, Michelle, obviously, um, we want to talk to you today about our, our mental and emotional health, and that lines up really well with one of the ways that we talk about leaders demonstrating the intrinsic and equal value of all the people they serve, and that is in providing a safe environment. We often think about safety in terms of not getting your fingers cut off or you know, having something bad happen to you physically. But what I think we're learning more and more is a lot of times there's bad things happening to us mentally and emotionally in some of the environments we're in. And so we believe that leaders have a responsibility to ensure that the places that people work are healthy and safe for them mentally and emotionally. I did a little bit of research, very little. It's not difficult to come up with some staggering information. Uh, More years of life are lost to suicide than any other cause except heart disease, which is stunning to me. Uh, one in five U.S. adults experience mental illness every year. But m- what was more shocking to me is apparently the average delay between the onset of mental illness symptoms and treatment is 11 years. Can you imagine having uh, infection in your arm and waiting 11 years to get it treated? We, we just don't take care of ourselves mentally and emotionally the way we, we do and so we obviously have a, a problem. There's obviously a, a lot of issue. Uh, being in recovery myself, I know that there is a stigma involved in having gone to treatment, and some people are readily acceptant and some people, when you tell them you've been in rehab, they kind of look at you like you have four eyes, and you don't hear from them again, which is, I'm with you. I can work with some people, and I can't with others, and I'm fine. I'm going to be myself, um, but today, I want to I want to talk to you a little bit about that, and so Let's start out with, you know, with, with the with the current uh, health situation that we have, the COVID thing, and a lot of people working from home. Uh, we're hearing about the potential for that exacerbating the problems we have. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. I'm sure you have some experience with that. And, and tell me, as leaders, what are some things we should be looking for and some things we could be doing?
1: In terms of working with people um, experiencing more isolation? Yes, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I would say, you know, one thing that... Um, Right now, in this in this current environment, you know what we're seeing is, initially, the first couple of months, we're seeing a lot of more a lot more people that were isolated, staying at home, um, not connecting as much with people. But I also think in those early months, we saw some optimism. We saw people that were being resourceful. They were there was a lot of benevolence. Um, but it seems like as time has gone on. It's just become wearisome for a lot of people. And, um, you know, we're hoping to get a little bit of a reprieve in the summer, and it um, hasn't. It's it's spiked, you know. And um, so so we're having more and more people putting masks back on and staying home and being a lot more careful. And... um, I think on top of that, we've, we've had, you know, other things, you know, that are going on in the news. Everybody, nobody is immune to that. We're all hearing stuff. And so it's, it's adding, you know, the complexities of, of um, anxiety and fear and financial and all that. So um, definitely seeing an impact. I would say um, late May, early June, everybody I know, their phones started ringing. We're getting a lot more clients coming through. So, um trying to think is there any other questions that you're asking in re- regards to that, or you want me to just kind of keep
0: yeah well uh, specifically so uh, uh, take me for instance, as a CEO of a company, um, a lot of our uh, a lot of our knowledge workers a lot of our office workers uh, are working from home now, and so they've gone from being in an office community where they're with people all day long there's a lot of um kind of unintentional meetings and, and you know, you know, talk about what's going on. And now those, the meetings that we have to have are remote. So you dial in, you got 30 minutes, you got to cover the topic. There may be a little chit chat before or after, but by and large, I, th- I think things tend to be a little more cut and dried. and And we heard, you know, early on, hey, I'm so much more productive. My team's getting more done. But at the same time, we haven't seen each other. We haven't, you know had lunch together we haven't done some of the things that that we used to do um so talk to me a little bit about what can i as a leader do given that i can't necessarily bring everybody back what should i be looking for and what can i do to to make that better to to resolve some of that absolutely
1: you know um i think i think one of the things that we're seeing is people become more disconnected and as as we become disconnected um, it's possible to feel less value it's possible to not have the same opportunities that for creativity and um you know just brainstorming and collaborating that you get when you're all together that you know just kind of synergy that happens and so um i think i think one thing is is making sure that people are connected um checking in with them and asking them you know is is there more that we can be doing is there anything you know that that helps you feel more connected as a team or valued you know that kind of a thing um I, I would imagine too you have differences between extroverts and introverts and so some people are going to you know flourish a little bit more although i would argue that even introverts are struggling sometimes right now you know just needing to be out right. and about, so um to meet people or meet with people and all um, so I think being open and, and um, you know, just uh, available for listening, um, is it, it, most of your team right now off-site? The, is that what you were saying?
0: Yeah, I'd say probably two-thirds of our team yeah. is off-site mm-hmm. more often than mm-hmm. not. Okay. Um, we're working to bring people back, but of course we're dealing with the same thing everybody else is dealing with, yeah. which is, you know, what's safe, what's not safe, mm-hmm. and, um, and speaking of that, you know, not just in, in respect to the COVID thing, but when we talk about uh, mental health and emotional health, there uh, is there is a there, is, there are a lot of differences between what different people consider to be a safe environment. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as a leader, sometimes there's a struggle just to know, are we providing a safe environment for uh, the maximum number of people we can? Mm-hmm. Obviously, somebody's, you know, possibly going to find something wrong, Sorry. but... Um, so talk to me a little bit about that. And actually, that, that's a good transition because COVID's on everybody's mind right now. But I, I'm personally believing that we will work through this crisis like we work through a lot of crisis. But, that, but what's not going to go away is that people bring the things that are going on in their lives and their past trauma and all the things that they haven't resolved. They bring all those things to the, to the workplace. And then those things interact with other people. Obviously, we can't as leaders mm-hmm. fix everybody. Uh, but Michelle, tell me what I can do as a leader to make the places that the the place that I lead, the place I serve, a safer environment for people from a standpoint of their mental and emotional health.
1: Absolutely. Um, as I was thinking about that, a safe environment, it took me all the way back to grad school. So one of the very early things they talk about is, um, you know, how do you create safety in the room for people to come in and be able to go deep into, you know, the areas that they need to for healing, and. Um, there's a uh, therapist that, um, you know, he was uh, on the heels of Freud. Um, his name was Carl Rogers, and uh, he talked about three things that you have to have. So one of them was just unconditional positive regard for your clients. So deep respect. So deep respect for the people. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you, you mentioned that in, in your, um, your guiding principles, um, you know, just valuing um, people, you know, and so um, the other is um, the uh, congruence, which means that we're relatable, that we can relate to others, and so you know the the idea that all people are valued. I think you guys are doing that really well too. So
0: um,
1: I I'd probably better say I'm not being paid for advertisement here, but I really like the principles that you guys <laughs> illustrated there. And then um, the other is um, you know just empathy, and so in in therapy what that looks like to me is um, that i get an opportunity to get into the trenches with them and connect with them on whatever they're dealing with um, but i also have to keep one foot grounded in reality and um, be able to still you know cast a vision of hope so um you do too far one way you're getting pulled in just like a person trying to rescue a drowning victim and too far the other we're distant and not you know relating to them um And I think, you know, again, going back to, you know, being relatable, um, you hear about people that, you know, um, are CEOs or pastors and they're willing to get down and, um, you know, do the hard work, the dirty work or meet with people on any level and uh, find value. And um, I think that 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 keeps people, um, you know, not just feeling safe, but feeling like they have an, an important place and that they've got an important voice and how cool to be able to get vision from all these different perspectives too. And so um, I love that. And then um, the other, again, the um, idea of, you know, just deep respect for your client. Um, One of the things that I think that's really, really important is um, helping them to see their own opportunity for greatness, their own opportunity for um, potential, you know, and and the directions in the directions that they need to go not necessarily what i think or anybody else thinks but um as a therapist but um also making it safe for them to you know fail and explore that and i would imagine on a team having a place where it's okay to fail and mess up sometimes is really important because we learn so much from failure but the importance is being able to bounce back and um so one of the authors that i like to read is a guy named donald miller and um one of the things he talks about is it's not our job to be the hero, help your client or help the other person be the hero of their own story. You know, so. Not
0: oh, I not love that. I love that. I love the, I yeah. love the, the hero part. Also, yeah. I heard several things mm-hmm. there that, uh, that are so good. Um, you know, that you, you called it congruence, the ability to relate. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we seem to, to experience, what I have found is that when I'm transparent mm-hmm then then people are willing to open up and be transparent you kind of have to as a leader you have to lead in that Uh, something I didn't do well early in my career I thought that if I told people that I didn't know everything and that I didn't have a solution for everything or that I had a problem then they wouldn't follow me right I wouldn't be a leader and and the, the exact opposite is actually true I have found since recovery that when I am transparent with people hey I'm You know, I may be the CEO, but I'm also just a human being. I don't know everything. I don't have all the solutions that actually they then want to jump in and say, well, great, then we're going to work on this together and we're going to come up with a solution together. It also amazes me how often uh, when I share my story that then people come up to me and they want to share their story with me. And so transparency begets transparency. It's the foundation for trust, it seems to me. And so that that I think is huge. And then, then you you said something that that's really important that 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 there's mutual respect that whatever is being communicated that they're going to be met with respect and dignity, not with being mocked or or being you know put down or something. We get so much of that. I think mm-hmm. we're so used to if you put you. I think a lot of people think if I put my real self out there, certainly if I put my real self out on Facebook, <laughs> you know nobody's going to. We all tend to want to want to paint a prettier picture. And so I hear you saying if we want our, our communities, our organizations, our, the cultures in our, in our businesses to be safe places, then it needs to be places where people are protected from or at least believe if I'm honest and if I talk about what's really going on in my life, I'm going to get help and respect and people are going to take care of me, not I'm going to get shoved to the side or, or you know treated, treated differently. So that's obvious, obviously huge. And then, you know, you were talking about empathy, and um, and I thought it was really interesting that you said, you know, empathy we need empathy, but you can't actually fall all the way into whatever's going on. And I think that's so critical for leaders, and it's also so difficult. I think a lot of leaders fail the other direction. They say, if I actually get involved with the people that I'm serving too much, uh, for, which for them is almost any at all, then... I'm not in a position of leadership. i guess stay up here. They're, you know, I'm the boss. They're the people who work for me. I think we've messed up the whole, can you be relational at work? It doesn't mean we're best friends and that we hang out at each other's houses all the time, but you can show true concern and true care for someone and, and be empathetic, which is a lot of times just about listening, uh, you know, truly listening, which is one of the things that, that for me being, being in therapy was, was so wonderful is my therapist – Consistently demonstrated to me what it was like to just be heard. You know, I could go in there and, and just talk and spill whatever was going on in my life, and I was actually being heard. And the questions that got asked back to me indicated that I was being paid attention to, not judged, not trying to figure out where the next thing was, or she, was, she wasn't trying to come up with an answer. She was just listening to me and hearing me as a human being. We really get that so seldom in this world, you know, you don't get that on social media. So I'm hearing you say maybe that's something that we should incorporate into our into our community. And that's difficult because that doesn't make parts or sell cars or whatever you do. I mean, that's not a moment when the pro- product is moving down the line. Um, but it has a huge impact on, on how people feel. Um, so talk to me a little bit about um, the you, – you mentioned – currently, and I, and I think we all tend to go, well, right now things are so bad, but I look at a lot of history, and things have been bad a lot of times, and you know, there's a lot of bad in the world. So I think anxiety about the world has always been, been a thing. What are some ways as leaders, obviously we can't completely remove that for people. My mode is I just tell people don't listen to the news. Every time I meet with my people, I say, you all aren't watching the news, are you? Because you should not be watching the news. It's not going to do you any good, but I, I think they do anyway. What can I, as a leader, do uh, to help people reduce their anxiety, overcome their anxiety, or at least not to add to that?
1: yeah, that's that's a a good question and and it's honestly, I think um something that I feel like I'm dealing with as a therapist more and more often right now, too, because there's times. Somebody's texted me, or I've looked at Facebook and I'm on my way into work and I'm having to contain my own anxiety about something. And um, so, one of the things that I think about is um, the idea of self leadership and making sure that, first of all, we're keeping ourselves healthy. And, um, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, there's, we, we know about health, healthy skills like working out and, you know, finding a support system and all that. But one of the things that I find is if I let fear and negativity run wild inside my brain, um, that's an internal boundary I need to set. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking life internally into the wrong things. And so, um, you know, I think that's that's one thing that, you know, just to be catching ourselves. What am I worrying? What am I, you know, bringing too much into into my thinking, my thought life? Um, another thing that um, I remember it was one of my favorite pieces of advice from um, a supervisor early on is he had said okay so you've learned everything in your master's degree you've you know you're getting ready to meet your clients for the first time and he goes so the best piece of advice I could give you is keep your anxiety one notch below your clients and therapy can occur and I thought I think I could do that (laughs) <laughs> I can. And I think that's, you know, kind of one of those things that we do as a parent. It's something that we do, you know, people do as a coach or, or you know, a, um, a boss, you know, whatever it is, is if we can keep our anxiety one notch lower, um, you know, and then and remember to take some deep breaths and kind of, you know, get the oxygen flowing again. Um Am I going in the right direction?
0: You are. What Now, mm-hmm. what I just heard you say I love because I, I've said something similar. In fact, I was meeting with uh, my executive team earlier today, and one of the things that I remind them is we can't lead people in healthy ways if we're not healthy, which is what I just, I mean, if, if we're talking about anxiety and if people are anxious, we need to be less anxious. We need to kind of model toning that down. Um, so tell me a little bit more about, you know, as a as a leader. Now obviously, I go to therapy. I recommend other people go to therapy. Not everybody's going to do that. And and so you were mentioning some of the, you know, self-care. Tell me some more self-care things that you would recommend cuz leaders, high-stress position, right? They're typically type A, a lot of us are obsessive compulsive. In my case, I don't sleep. So, we got a lot going on. It's highly likely that we're messed up. What are some things that we can be doing as leaders to to make ourselves healthier so that we can then transmit and and convey that to our people.
1: Good. Um, so sleep, um, if, if I get somebody comes in, that is one of the first things I'm targeting is sleep. Uh, because, you know, you can take, um, in fact, I heard of a study, I believe it was at uh, University of Colorado. I could be wrong, but where they took um, normal, healthy, typical adults and deprived every single one of them of REM sleep and after about three days they were experiencing psychotic symptoms and so we need sleep um, especially to be able to function um, well and so sleep is important Um, I think too um, structure helps not only provide you know a sense of safety it provides a sense of direction and so you know, offering structure to your team, but also offering structure to yourselves. And that's one thing I noticed when we started working from home more was I had more time um, because I could run in between sessions and throw a load of laundry in, you know, so so there wasn't as much stuff to do later in the evening or whatever. Um, so I'd need to make sure that I was structuring my time and meeting my goals. Because once we get out of our old schedules, we don't have the regular routines that we would build into add to our health, add to our, you know, um, the positive things that are coming into our life. Um, I think, you know, another thing is is just keeping a gratitude list. Uh, it's, you know, a lot of people talk about gratitude and how important it is. Um, there was a gentleman years ago um, that did a study on the effect of gratitude and he was out of the university of um uc davis and it was it was really interesting because i was going into the holidays and i was used to with four kids used to being pretty stressed oh and a therapist so you know we get lots of calls that time of <laughs> year too and as i was hidden um and i was thinking i wonder what the effect of gratitude because it was almost thanksgiving is on the holiday season maybe if i start practicing gratitude regularly before um, Christmas. I'll, I'll feel better and not be so stressed. And I researched it, and so sure enough, I came up with this stuff by um, Dr. Robert Emmons. And what, what they found was people that were doing um, keeping a list of three to five things every single day, and they had to be distinctly different. That their overall stress levels, their their happiness levels, um, you know, were going up, but their stress levels were coming down. There was less visits to the doctor. Um, there was less physical complaints. Um, their overall satisfaction in life was better. So by 25% is what they found. And so um, uh, in terms of like happiness and satisfaction in life. So right now, I think any of us could use a little 25% boost. Sure. You know, and and that's just three to five things a day. And so that's that's one thing I think we can do. Um, And just remembering to, you know, Try to find ways to get grounded. I think about. Um, I used to imagine. I, I go into metaphors a lot. I think of, you know, um, different different things that illustrate a picture. But back, grown up um, near the ocean the waves could roll in and and knock you off your feet sometimes. Well, the sooner you can find your feet back underneath you, you're okay. And, um, but you can get pretty overwhelmed if you're getting spun about. And sometimes people can feel like that when they get anxious, just get spun. And so trying to get our feet back underneath us, remember to breathe, because deep breathing actually opens up more of the brain to be able to function better um, if we're not breathing deeply enough. Start hyperventilating. Um, we actually literally are starting to shut down the more sophisticated parts of the brain, and we start to rely on the more primitive parts of the brain, where things like fight or flight, you know, are housed. So, um, I don't know. Sometimes I think I could probably keep talking, and I don't want to get too you, far off base. you're, so. do,
0: you're doing great. You're okay. doing great, and and you're and you're preaching to the choir, as far as I'm concerned. Obviously, I learned a lot of those things in recovery. Um, Never learned them before. Right. Mm-hmm. So I was groomed to be a leader, grew up in a family of leaders, was always intended that I would lead. Um, and none of those things ever well, I was never taught those things. They never came up. And I think that, that today uh, that's one of the problems we have is lots of people in positions of leadership. It's not that that they weren't trained to lead from a standpoint of doing the job. But they weren't trained to deal with their own issues. You know, very few of us have any any training in handling our own mental and emotional health. Um, none of us would try to do open heart surgery, and yet most of us try to manage our own trauma and our own issues, um, which are often as or more complex and sometimes more dangerous. and And so, just hearing you say some of the things that um, that I've that I've now learned in my life. Breathing is huge. I love that you mentioned the gratefulness list, and I tell people that a lot. Um, I have a gratefulness list, and, and I, I, it's every day. And I come up with a number of things to put on the list, and it can be as simple as I saw a deer when I was walking this morning, and it was beautiful, and I just appreciate the fact that I had that image. Uh, to you know, somebody did something or said something to me that I appreciated, or you know, I had a great lunch. You know, I just uh, you know the restaurant was really good, and the food was good, and I really enjoyed it. Just the little things, and and you're right. It changes your attitude. It changes kind of your whole outlook.
1: I do have a story on that. Can Please. I share? Oh, I okay. would love that. I'm going to change the name and identity of this person so that because it wouldn't be um, obviously ethical. <laughs> but um, this this person was really, really dear to me. And um, so. I worked with him probably, I don't know, a number of years back, and um, he grew up in Oklahoma, probably in his late 50s, and uh, he, he uh, recognized as an early at an early age that he was um, gay and just always felt like he had been left out by everybody and um, didn't measure up to his dad, didn't measure up to his mom, never really felt like he connected well, became an alcoholic, and so um, years later... Um, After probably 25 years of practicing alcoholism and not doing real well, got into um, uh, AA, was able to get sober, um, was able to start putting his life back together, Um, I think became a nurse, and um, at any rate, um, still would come in, and this, this guy could cuss like no other (laughs) I could paint my walls with the curse words that could come flying out of this person's. But really, really a neat person besides that. But at any rate, um, he, uh, you know, had been on all kinds of medication, just wasn't doing a whole lot better. And so I said, why don't you try this gratitude thing? Um, And um, so anyway, about three months goes by. Usually the holidays would send him into a major um, tailspin and gotten through the holidays okay. Even buried his... Um, I think we had a dog or cat you know, that had to put to sleep and was managing to do okay. And um, I said, uh, I wish I could quote this directly, but I don't know that it would be okay. Um, but at any rate, I said, you know, what's going on? I said, I've noticed you're, you're still doing well and um, uh, through the holidays and everything. And he says, I don't know. He goes, I've thought and thought about it and the only thing I can think is that it's that GD gratitude list. <laughs> <laughs> that's, me up. that's but, good but then it went on for a year the person did it for a year and I mean just consistently saw a, a paradigm shift and sometimes that paradigm shift is everything you know so
0: that is that is wonderful and that's exactly what we're about at the foundation I think that so many leaders um you know, want to be leaders. They're gifted to be leaders. Uh, it was their goal in life. And then they get into the position and there's a lot of disillusionment about what it's actually like, because it is stressful and there's a lot of anxiety and people are looking to you and then they're not looking to you. And on the one hand, you're responsible for everything. On the other hand, you can't always get every, you know, there's all kinds of, of disconnects going on. And, and so we as leaders do struggle a lot. And if we're struggling then the cultures that we're leading are going to be struggling. If we're unhealthy, then then the cultures that we're leading are going to be unhealthy. And so it's, wonderful, I think, and should be encouraging to the people listening to us today, that literally something as simple as focusing for just a small amount of time each day on thinking about the things that you're grateful for uh, in your family and the space around you and in your life can literally transform the way that you perceive and see the world around you, which is going to come out in the way that you lead. It's going to come out in the culture that that, that you're there. Well, Michelle, this has been wonderful. I love uh, so much of what you told us is so applicable. Um, Hopefully, people were taking notes. Uh, I guess the good thing about this podcast is they can go back and listen again. But um, thank you so much for joining us, for taking time. And uh, I'm so glad... Uh, One of the things I'm grateful for is people like you that have taken and dedicated their lives to learning and studying and advancing the field of therapy and counseling and giving us opportunities. And so I'm just going to make another plug for all the people who are listening to me. If you don't have a therapist, you should have one. (laughs) You need to go find one. And uh, you can call Michelle. She'll help you out. But again, thank you for being with us today. Really appreciate it. And for all of you listening, this has been Word for the Herd. We appreciate you having you with us and we look forward to seeing you next week. Thank you for joining us today on Word from the Herd, a production of the Kimmel Foundation. For more information about the Kimmel Foundation, visit us at thekimmelfoundation.com or follow us on Facebook. Instagram, LinkedIn, and Twitter at the Kimmel FDN. Please share this podcast and join us again next week for another Word from the Herd.